A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers, set your hearts on the greater gifts. Now I will show you the way which surpasses all the others. If I speak with human tongues, and angelic as well, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and with full knowledge comprehend all mysteries, if I have faith great enough to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give everything I have to feed the poor, and hand over my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous, it does not put on airs, it is not snobbish. Love is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not prone to anger, neither does it brood over injuries. Love does not rejoice in what is wrong, but rejoices with the truth. There is no limit to love's forbearance, to its trust, its hope, its power to endure. Love never fails. Prophecies will cease, tongues will be silent, knowledge will pass away. Our knowledge is imperfect, and our prophesying is imperfect. When the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. There are in the end three things that last, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Guide me in your truth, O Lord. To you I lift up my soul, O Lord my God. In you I trust, let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. No one who waits for you shall be put to shame. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and for you I wait all the day. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and constancy toward those who keep his covenant and his decrees. Vobiscum. 
Lectio Sancti Evangelii secundum Matteo. On one occasion, Jesus said, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, to you I offer praise. For what you have hidden from the learned and the clever, you have revealed to the merest children. Father, it is true. You have graciously willed it so. Everything has been given over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son but the Father, and no one knows the Father but the Son and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and find life burdensome, and I will refresh you. Take my yoke upon your shoulders and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Your souls will find rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Verbum Domini. Considering the Franciscan feast yesterday, the liturgical feast of the Sigmata of St. Francis, and today's memorial of St. Joseph of Cupertino. I wouldn't be the relic priest that, I'm, that I am if I didn't have a relic of St. Joseph of Cupertino that was given to the friars about five years ago. So we have his special presence with us to intercede for us today. Hopefully we all stay on the ground, right? And tomorrow's liturgical feast of St. Francis Mary Camporoso. We also celebrate tomorrow the birthday of Father Paschal, Father Paschal Mary of the Nativity, our very own Franciscan friar in residence, uh, scholar. He's going to be 40 years old, over the hill. So pray for him. And in your kindness, maybe say a few prayers for him today and tomorrow, giving thanks for the gift of his vocation to our community and his priesthood and his religious life, and to pray for more vocations to come to the Franciscan missionaries of the eternal word. We have one entering October 4th, so that's something to rejoice about. We didn't celebrate yesterday the liturgical feast of the stigmata of St. Francis because it fell on a Sunday, but it's worth mentioning, it's worth mentioning calling to mind, the stigmata of St. Francis can be looked at as one of the highest affirmations conferred upon our Holy Father, St. Francis. You might say that St. Francis was confirmed in grace. What he had achieved interiorly in his life of conformity to Christ, in his life of following the gospel, was imprinted on his body, exteriorly, in the stigmata. His wounds that he carried on his hands and his feet and his side until he died. 
St. Francis, during his life, achieved, with the help of divine grace, seraphic perfection. He is known as a seraphic father. Not that St. Francis became an angel after death, but it was the custom, the formal custom for religious communities to call their founder the seraphic father or the seraphic mother of a community. St. Francis is called the seraphic father because of his vision of a seraph angel when he received the stigmata. It was two years before his death that St. Francis and a few of his brothers walked to the mountain named Laverna to pray and to fast in preparation for the coming feasts of St. Michael the Archangel on September the 29th. And around the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, accounts say that Francis prayed for two things. That he might experience in his body, as far as the Lord would permit, the same suffering that Jesus Christ himself experienced on the cross during his passion. And second, that he might know in his mind and in his heart and experience the same love in which the Lord Jesus experienced during his agony in the garden, during his time on the cross. And when this vision of the seraph angel ceased, Francis had sacred wounds of the passion on his hands, feet, and his side, the sacred stigmata. Intuitively, St. Francis knew that if he were to bear the wounds of Jesus on his body, that he would need the love of Jesus in his heart, that he would have to have the same love that the Savior had in his sacred heart if he were to bear the pain. Without the love, he could not simply have borne the wounds. This is true for our Lord, and this is also true for St. Francis. You see, love is what makes suffering bearable in the Christian life, true love, the divine virtue of love, the virtue that God gives to the soul that asks, to the soul that knocks, to the soul that seeks him in perfection. Love has the ability to expand our hearts and to convince our minds, to conform our minds to what truly matters. It has the ability to lift our minds to things that are greater than ourselves. St. Paul makes clear that without love, we are nothing. Love is at the root of all the gifts of God. Without love, faith would be empty. True faith is animated by divine charity. Any faith that we have has to have as its principal animation, charity. Just as the soul animates the body, so too charity must animate any faith any act of faith, any good work as well, corporal and spiritual works of mercy.
the feeding of the poor, the visiting of the imprisoned, all have to be animated by divine charity, the love of God. And this is what we ask for constantly when we seek to do the will of God. St. Paul says in the first reading in his letter to the Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous. It does not put on airs, it is not snobbish. Love is never rude. It is not self-seeking, it is not prone to anger, neither does it brood over injuries. Love does not rejoice in what is wrong, but rejoices in the truth. There is no limit to love's forbearance, to its trust, to its hope, its power to endure. Most couples choose this at their wedding. It says something. Ultimately, I think it says what they would like to receive, how they would like to live. Most of all, from God. This is what God gives us, the gift of his love. And he enables us to be patient. He enables us to be kind. He enables us not to be jealous, not to put on airs, and not to be snobbish, not to be rude, not to be self-seeking. Today, St. St. Joseph of Cupertino known for working miracles and even for levitation, would clearly say that without the greater gifts, faith, hope, and charity, the extraordinary gifts that he received would be nothing. Nothing. Extraordinary gift of levitation is that what it is, extraordinary. There are ordinary gifts that are given through grace, but the extraordinary gifts, whenever we hear about them, we're amazed. We think to ourselves, I can never do that. I can never be like that. St. Joseph of Cupertino was known to even levitate during the celebration of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Now, I can confirm that there are no friars in our friary that do that. I think that would be very distracting. But this was a great grace. It was an extraordinary gift. And it was said that he would even levitate for sometimes two hours and even five hours during the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Could you imagine the faithful present? You complain about one hour, five hours? Maybe they would go home and take it and have a, a snack and come back and finish the Mass. But no, these are extraordinary gifts. Extraordinary gifts that are given to very few souls. But God is always teaching us something in his saints. Even in what seems like what is ridiculous. Somebody levitating, somebody breaking gravity. And going back to his earliest years, he was born in poverty. His father died before he was born. And he was born in a stable. Interesting. 
born in a stable. No wonder he became a Franciscan. This emphasis on the poverty of Christ, the humility of Christ, Christ being born in a stable in Bethlehem, almost a foreshadowing of his life to come. He was raised in poverty, he wasn't educated, and he was known for being very incompetent in everything. They say he had a very um, short memory, very forgetful. He had a strong desire to enter the Franciscan order as a teenager, and he entered the Capuchins, but they eventually rejected him because of his forgetfulness and because of his being very clumsy. He said that he dropped dishes all of the time because of his being very clumsy. He ended up entering the conventual Franciscans with kind of a connection that he had. His mother knew of conventual Franciscan, and she convinced them to let him be a volunteer. Just let my son volunteer around, around the friary, and he ended up working in the stables. So he was born in the stables, and he ended up working in the stables as a volunteer friar, volunteer like a third order. And they eventually saw how, how humble he was, and they eventually let him enter the order, the conventuals, and he started studying for minor orders and then diaconate and priesthood. Besides being the patron saint of aviators because of his extraordinary gift of levitation, it might be said that he could be the patron saint of the rejected. Because of his extraordinary gifts, he was rejected by many. Even from a young age, he had a very extraordinary gift of prayer, and he was rejected by many people. He was always kept under close watch when he was a friar. Often his brothers were bouncing him around from friary to friary, not wanting to be associated with him. The extraordinary gift of levitation in which he would be found suspended in the air. And for those of viewers who don't know what the gift of levitation is, that's exactly what it is. You're actually suspended in the air. Your feet are not on the ground. You're actually in the air. This is extraordinary. He was known to be in ecstasy in the air in a kneeling position. Could you imagine walking in the chapel and seeing somebody in ecstasy in levitation? He had an extraordinary gift and a sensitivity to the things of God, and he would be in the state of ecstasy from a very young age, they say from the age of eight. And when he was in prayer, his mouth would be wide open, and they called him in Italian, I can't say the word, but Italian, gape-mouthed, like he would be because he was so enamored, so amazed in ecstasy of what he was experiencing in his prayer, that he was showing it bodily by his mouth. 
at Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, Maryland, when you walk in the chapel, St. Bernard Chapel, that we, the seminarians, would pray in, there's a, an icon to St. Joseph of Cupertino to the right-hand side. And you always knew when there was a test the next day because there would be candles lit by this icon. St. Joseph of Cupertino also, not just being kind of inept and clumsy, was not the smartest man either. And so even seminarians and also students, not just seminary students, but students of all kinds pray to St. Joseph of Cupertino and ask his intercession upon their studies. The Lord teaches us through the lives of his holy ones, his close friends. And what might he be trying to teach us through the example of St. Joseph of Cupertino? St. Paul says that God does not choose the wise of the world, the powerful, the eloquent, or the mighty, but he chooses the lowly and the despised to manifest and make clear his greatness. Our Lady's Magnificat says, He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. You might say that this was almost literal. He has lifted up the lowly, the truly humble, that even in his, in his humility, he was lifted up off the ground. This doesn't mean that you have to be humble in order, you know, you have to be humble for the Christian life, but it doesn't mean if you're humble that you will all of a sudden lift off the ground, so don't be afraid. You have, we have to strive after humility. The simple lesson that we can take away is that prayer is a raising of our heart and our mind to God. That's what prayer is. We might not be lifted off the ground in prayer like St. Joseph of Cupertino, but when we humbly bow our intellect and our will to God in humility, that's what true Christian prayer is when we recognize our nothingness and our poverty before God and coming before the Lord in total poverty, recognizing that without him, we are nothing. Through the intercession of St. Joseph of Cupertino, may he give us the true gift of Christian prayer and help us in mind and body to understand that God truly loves us and wants us to be in communion with him. May the blessing of Almighty God through the intercession of St. Joseph of Cupertino, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen.